organizations from Capita. Welcome to Tomorrow's Organisations, a new podcast series from Capita. On each episode, we'll be exploring how learning in the future must evolve to reflect the change of pace, both at work and socially. This time, the focus is on education and in particular, the role of artificial intelligence and technology in learning. My guests, I'm very pleased to say, are Alex Beard, the author of Natural Born Learners. I wish I'd been one of those. Welcome to you, Alex. Whatever that is, I should be asking you in a moment. And um, welcome to to Dr. Tirath Verdi, Director of of artificial intelligence for capita. Welcome to you, Tira. I'm pleased to be here. Good. Well, I hope it's worth your while. Um, let's begin with some fundamentals, I think, to start off with. Alex, uh, first of all, in terms of learning, what separates the human brain and the computer brain? I think the big difference between AI and human intelligence is one of machine and natural ways of thinking about things. I think that we're born learners that psychologist Alison Gopnik calls us the scientists in the crib. We're born with this proto-scientific method. We're basically a species of teachers and students. And our intelligence, unlike that of machines, is organic and it's unruly and it's social and it's connected to our environment in ways that I think that machine minds aren't. Well, most of what uh, Alex has said I, I would agree with. The, the missing piece, I think, in terms of seeing a child as a neural machine, you know, biological, you know, neural machine, uh, is that uh, we, we have this thing called emotions. And emotions are there to enable us to handle the environment around us. You know, we get angry if something doesn't go for us. We beg and steal if we really need something desperately. But I, I think whilst it's true that at the moment, uh, you know, machines are not at that level. You know, we are trying to incorporate those aspects as what it means to be. I, I think we will get to a stage where we incorporate nature-inspired learning into our machines. Uh, and I, I think it's a matter of how intelligence manifests itself. And it's not going to manifest itself by a laptop jumping up and sort of saying, I want to be and I'm going to kill you. It's going to be entities that begin to connect together through information of things, you know, the sort of those devices. And I think big intelligence is going to emerge in the form of mega cities that are totally connected and humans just end up becoming neurons in that machine. And that city wants to be. So it has the infrastructure, the systems for survival and expression. So that for me is what I think is on the horizon. So please say yes to this, Tara. (laughs) Are there human strengths and characteristics that are unlikely ever to be replaced or imitated by no, I'm afraid I, I don't actually believe that. I, oh, I do yeah. believe that sometime down the line. And the reason I, I say that is I, I see ourselves as being no more than a collection of neurons. You know, so what the mind is, what the brain does, you know, that's the angle I go on that. Thanks very much, Tirath. Lots to discuss. Our, our discussion continues, in fact, in a moment when we focus on learning.
We're calling this section Learning to Learn. Uh, Alex, perhaps you could elaborate on that, seeing as your book is Natural Born Learners. Yeah, so we are natural born learners, a species of teachers and students. As babies, we enter the world with a scientific method, reaching out to learn from our environment, to learn from the tools that surround us, to learn from other people. And I think that the work of today needs to be to maintain that wonder and that sense of inquiry and that joy of learning throughout our lives. So the future belongs no longer to the know-it-alls, but to the learn-it-alls. I visited a place in Paris, a school called 42, that was taking these ideas really seriously. So it's a coding university. It's for 18 and overs. And there... You don't have to have any prior qualifications to join. In fact, it's especially for dropouts. You don't have to pay any money to go there. It's all funded by a French billionaire. And finally, in that school, there are no teachers at all. Instead, there are 3,000 students learning individually and in teams through this online software that they call the Intra. And the Intra sets them real-world projects that they have to do. It asks them to collaborate with peers on those real-world projects that have been set by people in industry. And then if they get stuck... It asks them to figure it out for themselves, go on YouTube and find a tutorial, go on Google to get an answer, ask one of their friends. And the point of that school is they're not learning how to code because coding languages change very fast. They're learning how to learn how to code. And that's the kind of attitude that I think we need to see in the future. So our front-loaded system then really needs to be addressed. That whole sort of learning subjects and swatting and swatting and swatting, getting the exams, that is an old-fashioned system right now as far as you're concerned. It is, but you do need some of that. We do need to have a core of knowledge, um, of shared history, of shared language, of shared ways of thinking, of mathematics and science that enable us to exist as a human society. Before these creative geniuses started doing that stuff, they enjoyed what psychologists call a romance stage, where at the beginning of doing that thing, they fell in love with it. And that period is characterised by play and experimentation and imagination and joy. And that's the bit that's completely missing from our education system at the moment. And we need to bring that in if we want to equip people as lifelong learners. So, um, Tira, then let's talk about artificial Mm. intelligence again. Does that feature in early learning? In in terms of uh, AI, I, I think... You know, that parent-child relationship, it's very difficult for me to think about how we introduced AI into that. But when it comes to the latter journey, you know, from the time where you can read and write and be presented with individualized uh, education, uh, you know, personalized learning, I think that's where AI begins to come in because from a cohort of all the youngsters or all your peers that are coming up, there will be that data that sort of say that to get everybody to a higher level, this is the way you go about things. Tirath, in your view, should the continual learning and training be reflected in the business world? I'm one of those people that believes that Businesses really ought to form around talent. I think the traditional business models really can't carry on because it has so much baggage that stops that creativity, that stops those things that are going to be hugely productive uh, in terms of creating wealth. So in, in some ways, I actually see business processes standing in the way of that progress that we need in terms of learning and creating wealth and so on. Okay, thank you. Uh, So in our final segment, we're going to be looking at the future.
tomorrow's organisations. Now, we've talked about some of the changes that may need to take place in the world of learning. So let me ask you both now, what are the implications of these, both in education and in the workplace, kicking off um, with you, Alex? So I think the big question that we have to ask ourselves is not what can we automate in the learning process, but what can we augment in the learning process? And I think that means in the future that we will see schools and learning environments in which there is a real presence of AI assistance in different ways. Um, I saw a school in San Jose called Rocket Ship School where already kids are spending an hour every day from five years old on laptops inside an adaptive learning environment improving their maths and their English. Um, and they sit in these long rows in groups of 100 with no teacher in the room doing this work. And those kids do better than other kids in San Jose at both reading and writing and mathematics. And I think what they're doing there is figuring out what the AI is currently good for. It's really good to help kids practice some of these core skills which actually the computers can already do better than the kids, which is quite worrying. Um, but it also frees up teacher time. So that enables teachers to be better at their jobs, focus more on care, um, you know, group coaching, getting deeply into their subjects, working with small groups of kids that are falling behind and things. So I think AI assistance will be a big role. And that's going to be all around personalised learning and especially the way that AI can help us with assessment. And Tirith, what about the workplace? Well, I, I think... We, at most workplaces, have a real problem uh, in that uh, the skill sets that I think we require are very different from the skill set that we have. And there have been enough studies to indicate that for companies such as Capita, we would need to train many people for a full one year over the next two years. And I just do not see where companies like Capita and other corporations can that get that sort of uh, leeway. So what are they supposed to do then? It, it, it's a tough ask. I, I think uh, at one end, we are going to have to go through some structural changes. And at the other end, I think we are going to have to see how we enable employees to take many of those online learning courses. What we need to do is to put education programs in the workplace uh, such as uh, long-term apprenticeships uh, that engage employees in the new skill set that we require. And we also need to look at many of the new emerging technologies, primarily uh, around uh, immersive and adaptive learning uh, and so on. So it's huge implications for It's businesses. huge implications for virtually every business around the globe. Okay, well, considering the mind-blowing stuff we've been, we've been discussing so far, what will the landscape, both of you, do you think, look like in, say, the next five to ten years? Yeah, I, I think uh, in the next five to ten years, I, I agree with Alex. You know, we, the uh, student life cycle is going to be fundamentally disrupted. We will see more distance learning, that grading and assessment automation better learning pathways for individuals because a single pathway is not a fit for all and that continued continual improvement in educational resources based mm. on you know what somebody has come out with uh we will also begin to see uh tutor bots uh that that can tutor you better than many human teachers and we'll find that we are interacting uh in a more timely manner 
with information that we need to learn. Mm. You know, the systems will automatically prompt you that this is where you're weaker. And then finally, there's going to be, from my point of view, and we're still talking about five to ten year time frame, is that predictive analytics uh, of um, uh, uh, on the students. So those that are gifted will be sent along a different path to those that have special needs. And I think those that have special needs will be able to achieve much more than they can at the current moment. So that, for me, is what the future looks like. Um, in the next five to ten years, in the what next, about longer beyond term. that period? Well, in the longer term, I, I do feel that uh, we will be uh, um, semi-androids. I, I do believe that 25 years down the line, you know, I won't have to be using the digits of my hand or, or, or uh, my voice to find things. I just will think and I'll know. To summarise then, what advice would you give to business leaders about all these mind-blowing implications we've discussed? How does business cope with all these changes? I think there are two paths that the, the future could take. In one of them, we are using our technology in a way that enhances our most human characteristics. So there's this idea of the Fitbit for the mind. Imagine if your AI assistant is helping you to understand your levels of motivation, your particular abilities at doing things. And it's not then using that information to shepherd you in some way, but it's giving you that information um, or giving it to the place that you work or giving it to your institution of education, to your teacher or your parent. Um, and in that future, I think that we're talking about a world in which the value is placed entirely on talent and how fast we are at developing that talent. And I think that's a, a future that we could look forward to. But I think the other future that we might face is a future in which we instead ask the question of how best can we save money by automating everything that it's possible to automate? And that could well be a question that you would want to ask as a business leader. Like, What are the things that are happening here? Can a machine do instead of the humans that are in the company? And that could save a lot of money. But I think it could also have a really pernicious effect on how we live as societies. And so I think that there, there will be a need for a more ethical way of thinking about what work is, how people live their lives and how we run businesses to ward off to some extent or to make at least good decisions about that second form so that we can sort of steer ourselves towards a future in which we're enhancing human characteristics, in which people are finding still meaning and purpose in their work. I, I, I think business is there to make money, and I don't think we can hold back the tide there. So businesses will want to automate everything that they can. Uh, the jury is out as to whether that's going to mean loss of jobs or right. whether there are other jobs to be created. So An it, exclusion uh, of some of people who, who cannot f take advantage of oh, to, to, technology. To, totally. And I, I think, you know, um, as soon as sort of business can automate many of the processes they do, and if, if in one scenario there is big unemployment and so on, I, I think that, that calls for a little revolution, and I think that's almost inevitable in my view. Thank you very much, Alex Beard and Dr. Tira Ferdi. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Tomorrow's Organisations, but do join us again soon for our next episode. Until then, from me, Fiona Phillips, and from Alex Beard and Dr. Tira Ferdi, it's goodbye. If you'd like to find out more, go to capita.com slash future of work and learning.